This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles, and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, death by adoption. It is 9.45 p.m. on a Saturday night, September 1937. The business district of Central City, Texas, is dark, except for the office of Harry Cashman's used car lot. Cashman is pacing the small office in agitation. A man in a leather windbreaker crosses the lot, slipping between the cars for sale, and knocks at the door. Well, how day, Mr. Cashman? Uh, Glad to see you waited for me. All right, spit it out. What do you want this time? I'm kind of short on folding money. Thought you might be a pal and help me out again. You know what this is, don't you, Striker? The Lord called it a shakedown. I gave you $100 two weeks ago and another 100 the month before. So I need more. Well, you're not getting more, not from me. Why, well, that's too bad. I'm sorry you feel that way, Mr. Cashman. I kind of thought you were a nice guy. Oh. kind of guy I'd like to see raise my baby. Long as I can't raise her myself. Now, you leave the baby out of this. Now, you can't expect me to forget about her, Mr. Cashman. After all, she's my own flesh and blood. She belongs to me and my wife, legally, by adoption. Yeah, but you keep forgetting one important thing. I never signed no papers letting you adopt her. Your wife said you were dead. She thought I was dead. But my being here proves I ain't. And if we ever have to take this into court, Mr. Cashman, I'm baby Ann's natural father. I got my rights, you know. All right, how much? Reckon a hundred will see me through again. I'll give you five hundred. Why, it's better. Now, just a minute. I'll give you five hundred if you sign a paper waiving all rights to baby Ann. I ain't signing nothing. I like our arrangement just the way it is. It's working out fine. If you think... Well, go ahead, Mr. Cashman. Answer. May be business, and I'd like to see you do a good business. For the baby's sake, you understand? Hello. Harry, why aren't you home? It's almost ten o'clock. Oh, I'll be home in a little while, Hazel. Uh, something came up. You sound worried. Is anything wrong? No, 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 no. Of course not. The baby wanted to wait up for you. I let her stay up till 8.30, but by then she just kept rubbing her eyes and her nose and saying, where's my daddy, till she couldn't hold her little head up. Well, I, I'm sorry, Hazel. Uh, give her a kiss for me. I, I'll be home in a little while. Harry, are you sure there's nothing wrong? You sound like you're upset about something. Oh, it's it's nothing. I'm just tired. I'll see you in half an hour. Well, all right, dear. Goodbye. Goodbye, honey. That's your wife? Yes. Never did meet her. Maybe we ought to all get together, have a little talk. Huh? Striker, if you try that, it's the last talk you'll ever have. What are you trying to do? Your baby's got a home, a good home, and we love her. We've been married 15 years, never had a child of our own. And now we've got her, and she's ours. Why, if we ever lost her, we'd have nothing to live for. Haven't you got a heart? Well, 
I can see I made a big mistake, Mr. Cashman. I should have started seeing you a lot sooner and a lot oftener. What do you mean by that? That from now on, I'll be around every Saturday night to pick up my hundred dollars. And I'll take tonight's payment right now. Why, don't be a fool, Mr. Cashman. I'm younger and a lot stronger than you. Now, don't get yourself hurt. Now, how about my money? All right, Striker. There's a hundred. And it's the last you're getting. Now, get out of my sight and don't ever come back. Because if you do, I'll go to the police. I'll spend every dollar I've got fighting you. I'll prove what you are. I'll prove you're not fit to have custody of Anne. Mr. Cashman, I do believe you mean that. I swear before heaven I mean it. So this is your parting gift to me, eh? Not much considering the size of the role you peeled it off, huh? All right. All right, I'll leave you alone. I'll take my payment in full right now. Dig that roll out again. Toss it on the desk. I see. Now it's a gun, huh? You see it, and I know how to use it. How could Anne have a father like you? She couldn't have, not you. You've never proved you are her father. <laughs> You're getting real bright tonight, Mr. Cashman. I get the money up on the desk. I'm not going to give you another dime, Striker. All I'm going to give you is what you deserve. Get away from that phone. I'm going to call the police. You ain't calling any police. Maybe I'm stronger than you think. Yeah, but you ain't stronger than Oh. Yeah. Give me that money. Oh, no. Maybe you should have been fighting your wife. You see, you're still the only one who knows about me, and you ain't never going to tell anyone else. Thanks for the final payment. At 11 o'clock, after three more calls to her husband's used car lot, Hazel Cashman was disturbed by the busy signal and her husband's failure to come home. A phone company check showed the line was not in use. Hazel Cashman called the police. They found Harry Cashman's body and requested aid from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. He arrived at the lot shortly after 2 a.m. Alfred, that's all the information I can give you, man. Oh, uh, howdy, Ranger. You must be Jace Pearson. That's right. You in charge here? Yeah. Dan Simmons, chief of police. Uh, fellas, I'll talk to you later. All right. Okay. Uh, I see you've already lifted some fingerprints. Huh? How'd you know? Oh, dusting powder on the glass top here. Uh, yeah, the crew just left. Ah, prints aren't going to be much good, though, I'm afraid. Too many people coming in and out of a place like this, signing papers on that desk. What's that over there, chief? What? Oh, that yellow spot on the carpet? Yeah. I noticed that before. Seems to be a piece of chalk that was stepped on. A few little pieces not quite ground in. I don't see a blackboard or anything around here. Any of the for sale signs on the cars marked with chalk? No, no. They're all marked with cardboard cutouts. Well, the floor is pretty clean otherwise. Waste paper basket's empty. Yeah. This place was swept out after the day's business. That chalk got ground into the rug last night after the place was cleaned. Yeah, I can see that now. The phone hanging off the hook like that when you got here? Uh-huh. Cashman struggled with whoever killed him. Must have been trying to make a call. Oh, I don't know, Jace. Body's just where we found it. Good eight feet from the phone. Yeah, he might have staggered over there and fell, but the fight started right here by the desk and the phone. Uh, got some reason for being so sure then? The desk was moved a little in the fight, Chief. Look at the carpet. Deep worn spot where the desk usually rested. Carpets bunched up around the base, showing the desk was pushed, not lifted, and moved for any reason. Ah, you're right. I can't see that it helps us any, though. It gives us a little picture of the action, that's all. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get some of this yellow chalk in an envelope. Uh, you're going to send that to your lab at Austin? That's right. They can analyze it. Maybe come up with something. It's worth a shot. Doesn't seem to be much anything else to help us, though. Robbery motive for murder is usually the toughest one to crack. Did Cashman make a habit of carrying a lot of money? Yeah, had to in this business. People selling cars in a hurry need a fast dollar. He usually had a couple of thousand on them. All we found in his pocket was 86 cents and change. Uh, You finished here? Yeah. I'd like you to put a man to work on that filing cabinet. Get a record of all sales. We've already checked that. Every car Cashman has accounted for. Nothing's been stolen from the lot. I wasn't thinking of a stolen car. I just want a list of recent customers. Oh. Somebody might have bought an automobile he wasn't happy with and come back to get even. Uh, could be, but I'm afraid that's a blind alley too, Ranger. Cashman gave a mighty good guarantee on everything he sold, and he stood behind it. 
A hundred percent. Just the same, let's check it. I want to examine every reason he might have been killed. A hundred percent. I sent the ground yellow chalk through to Austin. There was nothing that could be done that night, but the next morning, Chief Simmons and I went to see Hazel Cashman, the dead man's wife. <laughs> we don't like to ask you questions at a time like this, Mrs. Cashman, but... I, I understand, and I want to help you if I can. Probably isn't much you can tell us, but any little thing might help. Your husband ever have trouble with anybody? No. Aside from the money he carried, do you know of any reason why anybody might have been out to get him? No, there was never anybody who didn't like Harry. What am I going to tell the baby? How am I ever going to make her understand that her daddy won't ever come home again? Would, would you answer that for me, please? I, I don't want to talk to anybody now. Why, sure, ma'am. Maybe for us, anyhow. Had to leave this number at headquarters. Hello? Yeah, Simmons speaking. Go ahead, I'll write it down. We, we were going on a picnic today. Last night, I made the sandwiches and everything. We were going to leave right after church. I knew something was wrong when he didn't come home. I knew it. Take it easy, ma'am. All week long, Harriet was teaching Ann how to say picnic. She was just learning to pronounce it. No. You've got to get a grip, ma'am, for your baby's sake. Yes. Yes, I know. All right. Thanks. We'll be in soon. I'd better get back to headquarters, Jace. Uh, unless you have something else to ask Mrs. Cashman. No. You shouldn't be alone, though, ma'am. Especially when your baby wakes up. I called a neighbor just before you came. She'll be here in a few minutes. That's good. Goodbye, ma'am, and thank you. Goodbye, Mrs. Cashman. Goodbye. Find out who killed my husband. He never hurt anybody. Never. We'll do our best, ma'am. That's the rush back to headquarters, Simmons. One of my boys pulled in a suspect, Jason. Oh? Fellow who worked for Cashman, a cleaning man named Moe Smith. What do they got on him? Well, he cleaned the office last night about 8.30 or 9 o'clock. Cashman usually closed before then on Saturday nights, but Smith admits Cashman was still there when he cleaned up. Well, he's not trying to hide anything there. No, no, but there's something else. Moe Smith was on the town last night, threw a big party and threw a lot of money around. Still had a few hundred on him when he was picked up. And, uh... My man checked on that, Jace. Smith is usually dirt poor. I see. He's going to be worth talking to. You can say that again. I'd have told you inside the house, but I didn't want to say anything in front of Mrs. Cashman. That was best. How old is their baby? Just two years old, Jace. Why? You look kind of funny. How old are the Cashmans? Well, I'd say Harry was about 55. Guess Mrs. Cashman must be in her 40s. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, the baby's an adopted child. I thought they were a little bit old to have a child of that age. Yeah, they never had any of their own. A couple of years ago, they took in a poor girl who'd lost her husband. Anne was her child. Cashman's took to the kid right off. Then the mother got sick, and when she knew she was dying, she agreed to let the Cashman's adopt the baby. No kid ever got a better break, believe me. I gathered they were pretty crazy about her. Plenty crazy. Why, if that kid even sneezed, Harry Cashman would be ready to charter a plane and fly at a Mayo Clinic. They wrapped their lives around her, just like she was their own. When you feel that way about a kid, it is your own. Loving them is what makes them belong to you. Yeah, you can say that again. Say, any messages from my headquarters in that phone call you took? Oh, Jace, I forgot. I, I was too hot about my man picking up Moe Smith. Your lab phoned in a report on that chalk. Any lead? Well, I, I don't know under the circumstances, but it wasn't an ordinary piece of chalk. Analysis showed that it's a special type that surveyors use for marking. Surveyors, huh? Yeah. Isn't likely that a janitor would be carrying the kind of chalk used by surveyors. Oh, it might have come from any place, Jace. Custer might have dropped it. It was dropped and stepped on after the office had been cleaned. Maybe our case against Moe Smith isn't going to be as strong as it looks. You are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, Death by Adoption, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. At the city jail, Moe Smith was being held in an anteroom. The day was cool, but beads of sweat stood out on his forehead. If he was innocent, he didn't look it. 
I began to forget about the surveyor's chalk. Come on, Mose. Where were you last night? I was at a party, Mr. Simmons, at my own house. And where were you before the party? I was working for Mr. Harry Cashman at the used car lot. Everybody knows I work there. What time did the party start, Mose? Uh, after 10 o'clock, sir. And later we left my house and went a few other places. With you paying all the bills? Well, is that right or isn't it? That's right, sir. I don't remember much about it. Next thing I knew it was this morning and a policeman woke me up and brought me down here. What time was it when you left the car lot last night? Oh, I worked almost 9 o'clock, sir, cleaning up like I always do. Was Mr. Cashman all right when you left the lot? No, sir, he wasn't. Mr. Harry was always mighty nice to me. But somebody called him on the telephone. He didn't say much to whoever it was. Then he slammed the phone down real mad and he hollered at me to hurry up and finish. He never done that before, sir. Then when I got done and was ready to leave, he told me he's sorry he yelled at me like that. What'd you do then? I, I, I did some shopping for the party. Got some food, a couple of jugs of Sweet Lucy. Where'd you get the money? Spill it, Mose. Cashman was robbed, and you had almost $300 on you this morning when you were picked up. It was my own money, sir, honest. You never got that kind of money working on a used car lot. Three days ago, you were broke. You borrowed $2 from your landlady. You better count for that money, Mose. Where'd you get it? Well, from the numbers. Numbers? You mean you've been gambling on the numbers racket? Yes, sir. And yesterday, my number hit. 424. I got my $500. That's how come I got money. You expect us to swallow that? Who paid you off, Mose? I don't know, sir. I don't know who he was. Are you trying to tell us you gambled on numbers without knowing who you gave your bets to? Please, sir. If I tell you who it is, Mr. Simmons is going to arrest him. And everybody will know I told. And if I don't find out, you're going to stand trial for murder. Everybody will know that, too. Oh, no, sir. Please. I never hurt Mr. Harry. Oh, I got the money from Jonas. One of the pen boys at the bowling alley. Jonas been booking numbers on the side? No, sir. He just worked for somebody for a little cut. All right, Mose. We'll check on your story. And it better be true. I told the truth everywhere. Well, he sounded on the level, Jace. And if he is, I'll be able to smash a hole in the numbers racket. Yeah, you can do that, all right. But we'll still be shy of murder. Simmons staked out the bowling alley where Jonas worked as a pin setter. Moe Smith had told the truth, all right. The pin boy confirmed it when he was arrested for possession of slips made out by betters playing the numbers. We were back to a single clue again, the yellow chalk. We've checked the only surveying crew in the city, Jace. Every man working on it had an alibi. All surveyors aren't in the city. That killer could have come from any place in the county. No road building projects underway, and only other surveying crew we've been able to trace is the mapping crew down in the Big Bend. Not going to be easy to get to. I'll get to them. Wherever this car won't take me, the horse and the trailer I'm towing will. Well, you leave them right away? As soon as I can drop you at your headquarters. I drove to the Big Bend to where the roads ran out and I had to cut cross-country to reach the mapping crew. I unloaded charcoal from the trailer. The crew was deep in wild country. Almost a full day's ride before I reached him. All right, Chucky. Easy, boy, easy. Anybody here? Yo, over this way. Come on, Chucky. Well, howdy, Ranger. Howdy. Saw marks of a camp here, but it looked deserted. It is. We moved in another couple of miles. I just come back with the birds to haul the last of our stuff onto the new camp. I was just tying a pack on this last one. You the crew foreman? Yeah. I'll ride on away with you. Keep you from getting lonesome. Glad to have you. I got company, though. One of my men just went on ahead a few minutes ago. We'll catch up to him on the way. Hey, you want me to take one of those lead ropes? No, they're good birds. They won't give me no trouble. All right, let's go. Up, Chuck. Up, boy. Come on, you long-eared scavengers. You've had enough grazing. You must be covering a lot of ground in here. Ah, plenty. In a sprawling country like this, ranchers lose sight of their boundaries when the land ain't fenced off. Hey, you uh, after somebody in here, Ranger? Maybe. How long you fellas been working through here? Oh, been almost two months now. You ever pull out to go into town? Well, we got horses, of course, but it's a long ride to a road and transportation any place of any size. I just decided to grow me some whiskers and stay here till the job's done. Any of your men ride out? Oh, yeah. 
few of them go out weekends to Central City or someplace like that for Saturday night. Then they got to turn around and spend all day Sunday coming back. Family men usually stay and just keep on working, pile up overtime. How many men you got working? Oh, I got 11. Any of them away last weekend? Yeah, four of them. You know where they went? No. Hey, I reckon Bill Stryker can tell you, though. Who's he? A fellow with other burrows. Ah, there he is, just topping that rise about a quarter of a mile ahead. He one of the ones who left camp? Yeah, they all went off together. Let's catch up to him. Okay, come on, boy. Get up, bird. Yeah, charcoal. We rode after the man named Bill Stryker. On the way, I saw the surveyor's marks I'd been following for miles. Cloth markers nailed to trees. Yellow chalk marks on rocks. Within a few minutes, we caught up to him. Well, yeah, Ranger. We was away for the weekend, like Tracy told you. Me and three other fellas. Where'd you go? Central City. Only place worth going we'd get to in time. What did you do up there? Just fool around. All of us together. Well, you were only there for Saturday night. You must have done something special, something you remember. I thought one of the boys mentioned a dance, Striker. Well, well, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, square dance, uh, Alamo Ballroom. You spend the whole evening there? Yeah. Like I said, we were all together. All evening. Four stags at a dance drift around. Hard to keep an eye on each other all evening. E, yeah, I reckon we could lose sight of each other for a minute or two. You fellas take time out to do any shopping? Well, what could we buy that we could bring back here? I thought maybe one of you might be saving some money, maybe enough to make a deal on a used car. Uh, we, we rode a bus both ways uh, after our horses got us from here to Atlanta's Junction. Oh, that's too bad. If you'd been shopping around a used car lot, you might have been able to help me. You might have gotten a look at a man who killed a dealer named Cashman in Central City on Saturday night. Killed? Hey, Ranger, you got a reason for being here. Hey, you think one of my crew killed that man? I'll know better when we see the other three who went to town with Stryker here. Let's get on to the camp. It didn't help. They all told the same story. There were gaps, times during the evening when they drifted away from each other, but they couldn't pin it down to any specific time on the clock. I didn't have anything to take them in on singly or together. They knew it, and I knew it. I camped with them overnight and headed back to Central City Police Headquarters. Oh, Case, how'd you make out? No good, Chief. Yeah, we haven't turned up anything new either. Just a chance armed robbery, Chase. That's what it must have been. My feelings still bucket that, Simmons. Mose told us that Cashman was upset about a phone call. Stayed at the lot long after he should have gone home. There must have been a reason. Like what? Like somebody who wanted to see him, telling him to wait there. Yeah. Mose said the call made Cashman mad. Why'd they wait for somebody he was mad at? Maybe because they had some kind of a club they could use to make him wait, whether he liked it or not. You're still digging for something deeper than an armed robbery motive, then. That's right. Well... Nobody's given us anything to back up any other motive. I know, but a man doesn't make a telephone appointment to be robbed and murdered. He makes it for something else. I'm going out to see Mrs. Cashman again. When you called your husband last Saturday night, it was almost ten, you said. What makes you think he was upset? When you're married to a man for 15 years, you just know that's all. But he said there was nothing wrong. Anything like that ever happened before? His not coming home, I mean, acting upset? Yes, it did. Twice before. Once was almost two months ago, then a couple of weeks ago. Those other times. You remember what day they happened on? I mean, can you remember if it was always on a Saturday? Yes. Always, all three times. But I don't know why. I don't know what was bothering him. How did he react? He was nervous, irritable. It surprised me the first time. Harry had never been that way with anybody. He snapped at me, the hard girl. Apologized later, but the only one he didn't snap at was the baby. He just seemed to want to hold her in his lap. Just sit there and rock back and forth, holding her. And then during the night, he kept getting up, going to a crib to look at her. I see. Ma'am, did your husband ever say he was worried about somebody trying to take little Anne away from you? Why, no. Who could take her from us? Both her parents were dead. Her mother agreed to the adoption before she passed on. You ever know the baby's father? Ever see him? No, he died before Anne was born. Killed in an accident. You're sure of that? Well, that's what Anne's mother told her. She couldn't have lied. You got a copy of the baby's birth certificate? Yes, right in this drawer. 
with a copy of the adoption papers we got from the court. Here's the court order and the papers signed by Anne's mother, Dorothy Stryker. Stryker? Was the father's name Bill or William Stryker? Why, no. Here it is on the birth certificate. His name was Arthur Stryker. Came from Fort Worth. Ranger, what is it? I think I know who killed your husband now. And I'm beginning to figure why. You'll hear from me, ma'am. I headed for the Big Bend, making a radio check with KTXA, asking the station to contact the Fort Worth police on possible relationship between Arthur and William Stryker. The answer fit. They'd been brothers. But William Stryker had a criminal record. It was late afternoon when I mounted charcoal for the ride into the surveying camp. I reached it at about 3 a.m., dismounted, and slipped into the office tent. Tracy. What the... Shh, quiet. It's me, Pearson. Boy, you scared me. Shh. Why'd you come back? Not all your boys were square dancing at Central City. Where's Stryker sleeping? Oh, Stryker, huh? That's right. Out back, near where the horses are hobbled. Well, you better be careful, Ranger. He's got a gun. Good. A test can give me the final proof I need if it's the same gun that killed Cashman. I'll come with you. If he wakes up before I get to him, you hit the ground and stay there, no matter what happens. Don't worry. I'm a surveyor, not a hero. There, under that tree. Branches in the moon got it all in shadow, though. He's not here. Somebody's trying to get away with one of the horses. Come on. Oh, he must have seen you out in the moonlight crossing to the tent. Get away from that horse, Stryker. You're in the light now. I can see you, too. There's something you won't say. Oh, Ranger, we don't hit. Drop. Got him. Be careful. Might be a trick. Are you other men? Stay down. Don't move. Oh, it's no trick, Ranger. Oh, he's hit more than once and bad. I don't want to die. Don't let me die. Better get whatever first aid stuff you have. It. Try and patch him up. You're going to need some work, too. I'll be all right. You men can get up now. Need a couple of you to make a letter. Need it to take him in. I... Easy, Ranger. I got you. Oh, men will have to make two letters. You need one yourself. William Stryker lived long enough to confess his masquerade as the father of his dead brother's child and the murder of Harry Cashman. He was pronounced dead shortly after arrival at the nearest emergency hospital. Jace Pearson had three bullets removed from his body. They matched the bullet taken from the body of Harry Cashman. Six weeks later, Jace Pearson reported back to his company, ready again for duty with the Texas Rangers. Now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. There's a story about one of the first Texas Ranger captains whose outward appearances seemed to be little more than a boy. One of the Rangers in his command, a big, raw-boned, muscular fellow noted for his complete lack of fear, was asked by a townsman, how come a big fellow like you takes orders from him? Why, he ain't even got enough of a beard to need shaving. The Ranger looked at the townsman. Maybe he hasn't got much of a beard, the Ranger admitted. But when we go out after a gang of bandits with them outnumbering us three or four to one, I never yet heard the captain say, go get them, boys. He always says, come on, men, follow me. Good night, folks. See you again next week. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Joe Kearns, Tom McKee, Roy Glenn, and Barbara Luddy. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. 
Coming up next on NBC, it's genial accordion-playing master of ceremonies, Phil Baker, back at his old Sunday night stand asking America's favorite question. What's that? Why, the $64 question, of course. The chimes are your invitation every Sunday to all the fun and prizes and excitement of everybody's favorite quiz game, the $64 question. Tomorrow, hear the Railroad Hour. Right now, it's the $64 question on NBC. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joe McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles, and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Breakdown. It is shortly after midnight, the beginning of Good Friday in the year 1937. Jim Wiley, constable of Romer, Texas, is driving through the lonely outskirts of his territory. When his headlights pick out a car parked on the road's shoulder, he breaks to a stop. Damn, some trouble. This heat conked out on me. I'm trying to get it started for half hour. Well, maybe I can get it going for you. I know a little something about cars. Okay about trying? You bet. Go ahead. Mm. Yeah, it looks like it ain't about to start, friend. You must be out of gas. The gauge says you're half full. The gauge must be busted, then. Choking like I did, and should have flooded the carburetor. If gas was feeding through, we'd get the smell of it. Yeah, better check the tank. Get a stick or something to shove in here for measuring, will you? You bet. This branch ought to do. Yeah, it's good enough. Give it here. She empty? Dry as a WCTU meeting. Well, that'd leave me kind of stuck. Well, I got a siphon hose from the trunk. We can drain enough out of my tank to get you back to Roma. Is there an all-night station there? No, afraid not. No hotel either. But I can put you up for the night if you don't mind bunking in the jail. What do you mean, jail? I'm the constable. Oh, I see. <laughs> don't worry, the jail's clean. Come on, let's go get that hose. Well, it's in here someplace if I can find it. You got a match? Ah, you bet. I want to be here someplace. I guess I'll let a lot of junk pile up. I can't hold this match much longer. I'll light another one. Ah. Yeah. That's the last one to the book. Huh. Well, you got that hose, haven't you? Well, no point getting snappy about it, stranger. How come you didn't know the gas gauge in your car was busting? Well, it must have just happened, I guess. Seems to me there's a car just like yours on my stolen car list. I hope you got proof of ownership on you. I got it all right. In my pocket, point the right square at your bullet. Huh? 
Use your head, young fella. Stolen car's a bad charge, but it ain't nearly as bad as using a gun on a peace officer. Now, you better hand that gun over and come with me. <laughs> hmm? Why, you heck, you small town, Rube Cop. <laughs> you stinking Rube Cop. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, reach for you. Reach for it, reach for it so I can kick a face in. Go ahead. Don't be the local. You can't get away with this. I've heard that fall from other dumb cops. Never should have told me you're a cop, you know. You never should. Something coming on your face. Come on, on your face. Get in that brush. Now you look at this stop. You're going to get it right through the brush. Hey, you'll pay off for this. Help! 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 <laughs> Cross country bus. Go on, Pop. Yell. Yell all you want. Try not yell that motor. Go ahead. <laughs> That's too bad, Pop. <laughs> Nah, you and me gonna make a trade. Bullet from this gun exchange for your car. What's the matter, Pop? Don't you like it? You'll get caught. They'll get you. Uh, the cop ain't born can take me. Come on, Pop, you're gonna die. Yeah. Why don't you crawl a little? Why don't you beg a little? Maybe I'll change my mind. I said... Reckon you could kill me, but you... You ain't scaring me. I'll make it easy for you, Papa. But you gotta beg me a little. You don't, I'll give it to you through the kidney. And that ain't nice, Papa. Takes a couple of hours to die that way. And it hurts, Papa. I know I watched the cop die that way once before. You know what he's doing. That's it, Papa. Pray louder. Let me hear you. You're the one I'm praying for. You must be crazy. <laughs> praying for me. You rude cop. Let's see who you pray for in the next couple of hours. <laughs> It hurts, don't it, Pop? And it's gonna get worse. You don't pass out till right near the end. <laughs> Enjoy yourself, Copper. Have a good time. Constable Wiley's body was discovered shortly after sunrise when highway patrolmen spotted the stolen vehicle abandoned by the killer. The sheriff was summoned, and he called for the help of the Texas Rangers. By noon of Good Friday, Ranger Captain Stinson was at the scene, accompanied by Ranger Jace Pearson. Wiley didn't die easy, Jace. Look at that. Yeah. Tried to crawl out to the road on a blood trail. Must have been in agony every inch of the way. Do you have any family? An invalid wife, two daughters, and three grandchildren. The man who did this might just as well have shot them, too. They'll feel the same pain Wiley did, only longer. With an alert out for Wiley's car, we might get a break. Killer may have been spotted in it somewhere along the line. I doubt it. He probably got where he wanted to go and ditched it before sunup. Medical examiner figured Wiley's been dead since about 3 a.m. Must have been shot a couple of hours before that. Gives the killer a good start, all right, Captain. Yeah. Let's get back to the road. We've got one thing going for us, though. The man we're after may have left some prints on the car he abandoned when he took Wiley's. Lab men flew in before we got here. They ought to be coming through with a report soon. Well, Steve Clark is in town waiting for it. He'll bring it out. I want you and Steve to stay on this case until it's cracked. It's one I'd enjoy cracking. Only lead we've got is that the abandoned car was headed west. Well, that's something, at least. You and Steve can start off in that direction. Hey, here's Steve now. Oh, yeah. Howdy, Steve. Howdy, Jase, Captain. You get the lab report? Yeah, Captain. It'll rattle your teeth. Here. Killer's been identified by fingerprints lifted from the car he ditched. Wiley was killed by Rex Lang. Rex Lang? Rex Lang? Yeah, no doubt about it. The prints were as clear as a bell. There's a copy of Lang's record attached to the report. I don't have to see that. I know it by heart. I wonder how long he's been in Texas. Well, he might have been here for a year or more. Last report on him was when he killed a policeman in Great Falls, Montana. Before that, he pulled jobs in Nebraska, Wyoming, and Iowa. And he's blazed quite a trail. Yes, and I want that trail to end in Texas. It's the first time he's paid us a visit. I want it to be the last. He's not easy to catch. According to that report, he's been jailed only once, Idaho State Reformatory, when he was 16. That's about eight years ago. Yeah, and in that eight years, he's killed six people, four of them peace officers. The first one was the guard at the reformatory. Lang butchered him when he escaped. Look at this record. Look at it. 
sent to the reformatory for beating his young brother half to death with a stove poker. Is that Lang's picture clipped on the report? Yeah, a mug shot taken at the reformatory. Well, that'll help us. I don't know, Steve. A big-boned 16-year-old kid. And we're looking for a 24-year-old man. He could have filled out plenty by now. It'd be hard to recognize. Well, uh, there ought to be some description since then. Ought to be, but there aren't. All the witnesses he's left are dead ones. Is this the complete report? Yeah, that's it, Captain. Oh, except this. It probably doesn't mean anything. The sheriff picked up this empty matchbook that was just lying in back of where Wiley's car was parked here on the shoulder. Lab checked it for prints, but they couldn't pull anything off of it. Well, yeah, it might have been thrown from any passing car. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, let me see it. Advertising on the cover. Grand Bowling Alley in Pintado. Pintado's about 70 miles west, Jace. And that's the way the car was headed. He couldn't pick up matches before he got there. Not unless he'd been in Pintado before and was headed back there again when he tripped over Wiley. Well, that's possible. Our trail leads west anyhow. Won't do any harm to check around Pintado when we get there. You're towing a double horse trailer, Jace, so you and Steve might as well ride together. Suits me. I'll load my horse and put him in with charcoal. There's something about Rex Lang it might pay to remember. He was a ladies' man back where he came from, Pocatello, Idaho. All right, boy. Back up. Even when he was 14? Yeah, even then. It was a high school girl who smuggled in the knife he used to kill the reformatory guard. And there have been indications that he had a woman lookout with him on burglaries where his prints have been found. I'll get my trailer open for you, Steve. Thanks, Jase. Uh, company for you, Charky. No. Oh, you stay in, boy. Ah, uh, you climb in, boy. Come on, let him. Okay, Jase. I guess we're ready to roll. You'll hear from us, Captain. Uh, Jase, Steve. Yeah. What's the matter, Captain? You both know Lang's record. A killer with a crazy hate for all peace officers. So understand that what I'm going to say now is not in order. If you corner him, you'll have a mad dog on your hands. But I'd like to have him taken alive. That may not be easy, Captain. I know, but Rex Lang has become an idol to young punks and reform school toughs all over the country. Now, if we can put him on trial, convict him in a court of law, and have him executed by the state... It'll show those kids that society is strong enough to stamp him out like a flea. There's nothing glamorous about dying in an electric chair. But if you have to finish him in a fight, he'll still be an idol. He'll say Rex Lang was so tough we couldn't take him, we had to kill him. I understand, Captain. So do I. Now remember, it's not in order. I want both of you back alive, too. That's all. Come on, Steve. Let's go. We headed west, looking for a dangerous kid grown into a dangerous man, with a face we might recognize too late. By midnight, we checked the highway as far as Pintado. In the morning, we started to comb the town, still drawing a blank. That guy at the bowling alley wasn't much help, Chase. Didn't seem to recognize that old picture of Rex Lang. Yeah, Lang may have changed a lot in eight years, but if he made the alleys a hangout, the owner should have... Uh, well, you know, Jace thought the face was a little familiar. Maybe yes, maybe no. Lang was blonde and smooth-skinned as a kid. Hair might have darkened plenty since then, face and frame filled out. And he shaves now, a beard line changes a face. Yeah, yeah, he might have just passed through here and picked up those matches, so maybe they were just thrown out of a passing car. I know. Well, we can't waste too much time on a lead that may be blind. Yeah, how about some breakfast? There's a Mexican place across the street, Lobo's. That's for me. I'm so hungry, I'll even eat enchiladas for breakfast. <laughs> Come on, let's cross. Easter Sunday tomorrow, Jace. Wish I could be home with the wife and kids. I even forgot to order flowers. Wire the captain. He'll have some sent to the house for you. Yeah, didn't even think of that. Buenos dias, senores. Buenos dias. Howdy. Let's take the boot, Jason. I'm tired eating on the counters. What can I get for you, senores? Here is the menu. I have everything. Uh, fruit juice, a couple of scrambled eggs easy with bacon, coffee and toast. Si, senor. Mm. Yes, senor. Buenos dias, senorita. I will be with you in a moment. You bet. Here I am starving. I don't even know what I want. Say, why don't you wait on the lady while I'm thinking it over? Of course, senor. Take your time. I thought you were hungry enough to eat enchiladas for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, the man double-crossed me. He gave me a choice. I just want a container of coffee to go, Lobo. Yes, senorita. Want it, No, cream and sugar. Well, I guess I'll just double your order, Jason. Now, what's the move when we leave here? I haven't figured it yet. You want me to put it in a sign? You bet. How much? You know, Jace, maybe we should go back. Wait a minute, Steve. Here you are. Huh? 
Sit tight, Steve. Oh, ma'am. Just a minute. You speaking to me, Ranger? Yes, ma'am. I happened to look out of the booth and saw you. Don't I know you from someplace? I don't think so. You sure look familiar. You live here in Pintado? You bet. I must have met you the last time I was through here, about two years ago. Now, you're a mistake, Range. I've only been here six weeks. Oh, well, where'd you come from before that? Fort Worth. That's your hometown? You bet. <laughs> That's one on me. You sure did look familiar. Excuse me, please. You bet. You have the wrong senorita, no? Maybe. Grab your hat, Steve. Why? What was that all about? Uh, something hit me when she was talking. Notice how she kept saying, you bet? Yeah, what about it? That reformatory report about Lang. The part about his habits. You bet was his favorite expression. Oh, now, wait a minute, Jace. Lang may have changed, but I doubt if he's turned into a girl. <laughs> no. But she picked up that expression someplace, Steve, from somebody who uses it regularly. And it could be Lang. Well, it's as good a lead as that matchbook, Jace. It's worth following. I think so, too. Come on. Let's see where she's taking that coffee. listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, Breakdown, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. We followed the girl, hoping she was taking the coffee to Rex Lang. The hope exploded less than two blocks from Lobo's Cafe when she turned into the doorway of a jewelry store, not far from where my car was parked. Doesn't look like the sort of place we'd find Lange in, Jace. And she went into the back of the store. Look through that corner of the window. Yeah. yeah there's the container of coffee on that bench right beside the watch repairman. Mm. Yeah, she must have brought it in for him. Guess he's the boss. Looks that way. And he can't be Lange. He must be 60 or more. Jace, get back a little. What is it? She came out of the back. She's behind the counter now. She's working there, then. Let's not take any chances on being spotted. Drift back this way a little. Yeah, this is good enough. She'd have to come out to see us now. Got to keep a tag on her. If she's Lang's girl, she'll lead us to him. But even if she is his girl, no telling how often he sees her. He's hot and must be hiding out someplace. We could burn up a week or two and then find out we're sending out dogs at the wrong tree. We won't waste any time. Not if we can get some information about her. I'm going to get to a phone. You stay right here on this block, though. Walk the corner with me. Yeah. Jason, if she was Lang's girl, why should she be working? If she was working in the laundry, that's a question I couldn't answer. But I can think of a good reason why she might be working in a jewelry store. Cased it for Lang to knock it over? It's been done before. I'm going to have headquarters check back on some jobs Lang's pulled before. See what you can find out along the street here. She's a mighty pretty girl, so it's a safe bet she's been noticed by other storekeepers along here. Maybe one of them knows her name and where she lives. Chase, we don't want to tip our hand by asking too many questions. Don't make them sound like official questions. Make them sound like you're just another man who's seen a pretty girl. Okay, okay. But you ever mention this to my wife and you and me are going to tang her. <laughs> Get going. I'll make my call and meet you at the car later. called my headquarters and gave Captain Stinson a description of the girl we were tagging and a list of information I wanted. It was less than two hours later when he called me back. It looks like you may have hit something with that girl, Jace. I made a few phone calls and got answers that fit. What are they? Fingerprint records from out of state show that Lang's burglaries in the past included a jewelry store, a check cashing agency, and a private home where the owner was in the habit of keeping plenty of cash in the safe. Girl fit into those cases? Yes. Girl answer in the description you gave worked at all three places. Only thing that varies in description is the color of her hair. In each case, she quit her job a few months before the actual burglary. That's the modus operandi I've been looking for. Well, if it was the same girl in each case, she always changed her name. Well, that's as easy as dyeing her hair. It all fits. If you're right, Jace, you're getting mighty close to Lang. That's where we want to be. Thanks, Captain. You'll hear from me. Jace, maybe I'd better send you a couple of more men. That'd only give Lang a couple of more targets. Bye, Captain. The girl was shaping up like the extra joker in a poker game. By the time I got back to Steve Clark, he had a rundown on her. 
The name she was using in Pintado was Jojo Deering. That night, the stores were open late for the last-minute Easter shoppers, but finally the lights went out. We followed the girl to her home and staked out to wait. Five minutes later, she came out again. Hey, Jace, look. She's changed her clothes. Yeah. Wearing jeans and a jacket now. Yeah, but why? I don't know. She's moving for her car. I'll let her stay about a block ahead. Don't want to tag her too close with this horse trailer behind us. Right. Yeah, she's pulling out now. So are we. Steve, I got a feeling we're moving in for the finish. Why? The way she's dressed. Not the way she'd dress for a date in town, but it is the way she'd dress to go to Lang if he was holed up in some off-trail spot. Works during the week, goes off to meet him on Saturday nights. Yeah, Jason adds. We'll know soon enough. She's turning for the highway out of town. like a long trip, Jace. Hey, where is she? Took a turn off up ahead. You reach in the back and get a Tommy gun. The captain said he wanted Lang alive, remember? I know. If we have to stop that car later, she picks Lang up. I want to make sure we can put it out of commission. Okay. Please, we're crying out loud, Jace. Sorry, Steve. Sharp turn off there. Grab a look at the map. Where does this road lead? I don't need the map. This is State 61. Nothing down here for more than 100 miles except for a few run-down Mexican settlements. I'm going to cut off my headlights. This road gets kind of rough, Jase. Can't help it. I can follow her taillight without her knowing we're behind her. Yeah, you're right. Odd anything comes through here, she'd scare in a minute. But she'll roll a lot easier if we weren't dragging that horse trailer. I got a feeling we may need it. No need for her changing her clothes like she did if she's going to stay in the car. Any place in here where she could pick up a horse? Yeah, about ten more miles. Ranch owned by an old Mexican woman. All she's got is a couple of horses. Can you think of any place near there where Lang might be hiding out? Yeah, yeah, about three or four miles back in the hills. Used to be a mine there. A couple of them, in fact. They're abandoned, Jase. Isn't there a road to the mines? No, nothing but a rough burrow trail. It's tough country to get into. If Lang's there, it's going to be tough country for him to get out of. Just before we reached the old Mexican ranch, we let the girl's car pull out of sight. We parked for ten minutes, then drove to the ranch. Her car was there, all right, almost hidden in a clump of brush behind the barn. And there was a fresh horse trail leading into the hills. We unloaded our horses and followed it. Only about another half mile to the mines, Jase. She's heading right for them, all right. Something about this that bothers me, Steve. What's that? She's stuck to the burrow trail all the way. That's just what I don't like. The only approach and Lang wouldn't be at the end of a clear trail unless he had some way of guarding it. You mean he might have an ambush taken out along here? man who hasn't been caught or even described in eight years doesn't leave his guard down. I don't know. He can't stay awake 24 hours a day. Reckon not. Hey, wait a minute. Hold up. Whoa, whoa, Charky. Whoa, boy, whoa. See something, Chase? Yeah. This brush at the side of the path's been trampled not long ago either. Just bobbing back into its natural position. Horse was waiting in there, and now we got two sets of tracks on the path. Well, that means he expected the girl. Waited here to meet her. Looks that way. Better get down and lead your horse. Right. Come on, boy. Ah, come on, Charky. Why did he come down to meet her? He didn't have to show her the way. They're still sticking to the path. I don't know. In one way, I wish the moon was a little fuller. And in another way, I'm glad it isn't. Hey, hold it. Huh? Well... Hey, they left the trail here. Brush is disturbed again. The tracks turn in there. Come on. Yeah, this is funny, Jace. We're following their movements through the brush, and we're just making a little half circle right back to the burrow trail. Hey, look here. We're right back on the path. You suppose he made that little half circle just to leave a blank spot in the tracks? A blank spot of less than 20 yards? Isn't likely. Must have had some reason. Let's leave the horses for a second. Let's go back along the path and find out why he cut away from it. Right. Move slow and keep your eyes peeled. Nothing that seems out of line. Stop. Look at this branch overhanging the path. Just a branch? Why, hey, Jace can barely see it. A piece of string running from the end of the branch to that tree on the opposite side of the path. Don't touch it. Let's see where it leads. Look at that. Yeah. Sawed-off shotgun strapped to the tree. 
That string is tied around the trigger. Gun probably has enough scatter shot and slugs in it to kill an elephant. No wonder he met her to steer her around this. Chase, look at the way that gun is sighted. Anybody on a horse who moved that branch get a charge right through the middle. Anybody on foot who moved it probably get it right through the head. Hey, you were right, Chase. He wasn't planning on taking any chances. A rat. Anybody could be killed by this thing. A rancher, some kid riding through. You don't think that'll make any difference to Lang, do you? What a death trap. A death trap that's going to backfire on him. This is the thing we use to take him, Steve. When this goes off, he'll come running to see what he's got. You have another gun, he'll still fight. You won't get a chance if we work it right. I'm going to pull the trigger on this thing, then let out a scream. Plant myself out there on the burrow path. You stay here in the brush. Then what? Just be patient. Don't move, no matter how long it takes for him to get here. He'll come plenty slow trying to make sure that whatever he hits alone. And when he finds me lying out there, fire your gun and startle him. But keep your fire high. Jace, he might pump a slug into you while you're flat on your back. Not if we time it right. But don't fire until he's close enough for me to jump him. Better get the horses and time off down the trail a ways. You'll have time. Say, Jace, how about a toss to see who stakes out on the path? Why should you take the chance? Why not me? Because you forgot to wire the captain about that Easter plan for your wife and kids. Get going after the horses and then get back here. Good luck, Jace. Good luck to both of us, Steve. myself in the path and waited. I could feel myself breaking into a sweat as cold as the ground. Even if he thought I was dead, a crazy, hate-ridden killer like Lang might waste one more bullet. A half hour passed. An hour. And then we heard him coming. Slowly, like a cat. Watch where step, Susie. I can't help it, Rex. I'm scared. Why, like a cop with a gun in his back. Now, shut up. Right near here, wasn't it? Can't you see anything yet? You bet. You bet I see something. Look at that. Look at the moon on him. It's a ranger. Rex. A ranger. Oh, be careful. Must be the one you told me about, but you were so smart. You said it didn't mean anything. You stupid getting followed here. Oh, please. Rex, don't hit me again, please. You bet, honey. <laughs> You ever slip again, I'll make you an honorary cop. Now, come on. I'll show you what you get. i demonstrate on him. I wish he was alive to feel what I'm going to show you. Oh, no, Rex. Don't make me look, please. Now, look at it. Look. Imagine what a bullet could do to that pretty face of yours. <laughs> Got him, Steve. Let go of that gun, Rex. Drop it, I said. Kill you with my hand. All right. Here's your chance to try. Get the gun, George. Get it. Hey, you want to get up? Try again, Rex. Or is that enough? No. No. I come. Come with it. Shall I cuff you together, Jason? Yeah. It'd be a shame to split such a lovely couple. I guess this isn't the kind of brace that you were after, Jojo, but it'll have to do. All right, Rex, hold out your wrist. Yeah, that does it, Jason. Yeah. Well, let's get started. It's just midnight. After we get them in, a fast drive ought to get you home by morning and give you a chance to pick up that Easter plant. Not only that, I'll be on time to go to church with the kids. You going? Borrow a couple of words from Rex. You bet. Tried as an accessory in the many crimes committed by Rex Lang, Jojo Deering was convicted and sentenced to a 50-year term in the women's prison at Gorey. Lang tried for the murder of Constable Wiley, slobbered and pleaded for mercy, but the jury gave no heed to his pleas as the prosecution brought his vicious record to light. Found guilty of murder in the first degree, Lang was sent to Huntsville Penitentiary, where on the morning of November 4th, 1938, he died in the electric chair. 
Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.